In the name of Jesus, uh, we welcome all the visitors. Uh, we're glad you're here. And uh, I appreciated the, uh, the Bible study. There was a, a lot of wisdom there. Someone talked about wisdom. There was a lot of wisdom there. And so I thank you. I thank you for your... Uh, for that conversation. The, the title of my uh, message uh, this morning is, uh, Who is Jesus? And uh, we'll be in uh, Hebrews chapter 2. And a while back, I uh, did chapter 1, and chapter 1 and 2 kind of go together. Uh, so I'd like to uh, just talk, I didn't do this last time, just talk a little bit about an introduction to Hebrews. I was, I've had a chance to study things a little bit more. Uh, like I said in the past, uh, we're not sure who uh, the author is of Hebrews, uh, it could have been influenced by Paul. It could have been someone who had been a disciple of Paul that wrote it, but the, the writing style is different than, than Paul's writing style. Uh, some background, they, they believe that it was written to the Jewish Christians in Rome. And what had been happening is that the persecution started setting in Christians you know, Christianity started uh, growing, and uh, a lot of Jews were converted, and then uh, a lot of Greeks were converted. Uh, and uh, so, but, uh, you know, the, the Roman, Romans didn't like Christianity. And so persecution started setting in, and so this letter was written to encourage the Christians to keep the faith, uh, because a lot of these, like I said, these are Jewish Christians, a lot of them were going back to Judaism, because Judaism had been accepted more so within the Roman culture than Christianity. Uh, some of the things that uh, we'll learn over time in Hebrews is that uh, there's a new covenant, and so any time someone has to change, uh, it can be difficult. Change can be difficult, especially if you grow up in a certain culture and then all of a sudden something comes along and changes everything for you. And so uh, some of the things uh, that the, the Hebrews or the Jewish people struggled with was in the Old Covenant was more emphasis on a list of rules a list of do's and don'ts. Well, the new covenant was going to change that. Uh, it didn't do away with the do's and don'ts for the most part, but there was more to this relationship with God than do's and don'ts. And it's just like an uh, example would be if you had a checklist for your marriage. You know, marriage is more than a checklist. There, there's something there. Uh, you, you can't just check off a bunch of things and, oh, okay, uh, I've pleased my wife, and uh, I know I have a marriage now because I've checked off these things. There, there's something more there. 
there's something more that we can't really grasp, you know. That's why people like checklists, because they're easier to grasp, but, but uh, you know, th there's, there's something more in a relationship than do's and don'ts. Let's just put it that way. Uh, the, the other thing is uh, the Jew, a lot of Jews had a hard time allowing Greeks to come in and be Christian. And so, you know, Paul had to deal with a lot of that, and a lot of that's still dealt with in a lot of the epistles, and this was more of a cultural thing. And uh, so this was something else that the Jewish people had to deal with. Uh, the other thing is, like I said, it, it's hard to let go. It's hard to let go when you're familiar with something, you're familiar of, of a certain way of living, and you know things have to change, but it, it's hard. It, it's hard to let go of what you're used to. The Old Testament, I mean the Old Covenant, was very important because Basically, God took humanity by the hand and led them through the desert, figuratively, because there was things that man had to learn so that he could have a conscience. And uh, Hebrews talks about that a little bit, that uh, you know, the, the Old Covenant was uh, uh, kind of like being in school, because you know, man was depraved, and, and God had to destroy man through the flood. And thing, I, I guess things weren't working the way they should be. And so uh, God took the Jewish people by the hand and taught them. He gave them uh, all these laws, all these rules, because man needed them. You know, one example is, uh, uh, you know, God said, don't eat shellfish. Well... There's a natural phenomenon that uh, it's called red tide. And when red tide comes, if you eat shellfish, you'll get sick. And they had no way of knowing, you know, today because of science, we have, we, we have ways of knowing these things. But they had way, no way of knowing these things. And so a lot of these rules were practical to make a healthy culture, a healthy group of people. All the dietary laws, all the different laws of... Uh, justice and, and other things were so that the, the uh, culture can thrive and survive in this world. But there's also the ceremonial uh, rules uh, God put down. And these were uh, for the remission of sins, the take away sins, so that man could start to have a clear conscience. And that's I believe was the goal because without a clear conscience, man, it's like we talked about the light. You know, it says the life is in the light of Jesus Christ. And if man's heart is darkened, he can't have this relationship. And so he needs this life from Jesus Christ and I think this is what uh, God was doing with the Jewish people, is preparing them to be able to accept the light. And then the, the last thing was uh, the Old Covenant was less relation, relational 
and more duty. The new covenant is more relation. Relationship to, uh, to, the goal is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, to walk with him. And so let's, uh, let's look at uh, chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. So here he's encouraging them in, in uh, their faith. And if they needed encouragement because they were getting discouraged because of what was happening to them. Uh, the culture did not approve of them and did not like them. And so what are some of these things? This is a little bit review. In, in chapter 1, it talks about who Jesus is. Right. Now, in the, in the Hebrew culture, angels were very important. They believed in angels. And, and today, I don't know, we've kind of set angels aside for one reason or another. But, you know, angels are ministering spirits from God. Right. And, you know, they're a good thing. And so what he was telling the Hebrews is that Jesus Christ was higher than the angels, but he came and he was lower than the angels. Because when he came to the earth, you know, he was for the seed of Abraham, it says. And uh, so this, he was explaining this to the Hebrews, that uh, who Jesus was. And, and so in chapter 1, uh, Jesus is the Logos. He made the worlds. The brightness of his glory, the brightness of God's glory, the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, purged our sins, uh, sits at the right hand of the majesty on high, who's the father. He's better than the angels, has the most excellent name among all men, and... Uh, the angels worship him, just as we should worship him too. And so in verse 2, For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? And so... Again, here, I went over the background. These, these Jewish people were getting cold feet. They, didn't, they weren't sure whether they want to follow Jesus anymore. And, and the author here says, How can you neglect such a great salvation? We have this great salvation that God has given us. It says in Second uh, uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 4, Whereby given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption uh, that is in the world through lust. So this is what the light does for us. It allows us to be partakers of who God is. And uh, we just read that in... Uh, in Gospel of John, that uh, we have become sons of God. But the corruption keeps us down. The corruption in the world through lust keeps us down and keeps us from being able to enter in uh, fully to what God has for us. 
And, uh, but, you know, Jesus Christ is our advocate, and he wants us to get up when we fall. And he wants us to strive. Our Other people use the word suffer. You know, suffering uh, of the flesh is a good thing because it helps us to rid ourselves of this corruption that we have. And then verse 4, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. For unto angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come, wherefore we speak. And so here he's saying, look what Jesus did. He did these miracles. Uh, he, he gave these gifts. He, he did this teaching. I want to look in uh, Acts chapter 2. You know, some people say that it, it could have been Luke that wrote Hebrews. But I, I don't know. It's just, uh, like I said, nobody knows for sure. But uh, in Acts chapter 2, verse 14... So the Holy Spirit had come upon uh, the apostles and others that were with him. And uh, verse 14 says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. So... So here, Peter gets up, and, and the Holy Spirit is coming upon these people, and they're being accused of not being in their right mind or drunk or whatever, uh, because it was something new to them. Things have changed. Uh, the Holy Spirit has come, and, and that the Holy Spirit is not... You can't put him in a box. He's not a set of do's and don'ts as far as spiritual reality. I mean, I'm talking about God's spirit, not, not demons and devils. You know, the do's and don'ts help us to keep the demons and the devils and the darkness away. But that's not the end of things. If, if Christianity is just do's and don'ts, to you, then you're missing out. Because the Holy Spirit, the God coming and dwelling with you and uh, controlling your life is where you start seeing uh, the glory of God. And if you stop at the do's and don'ts, then you're never going to see the glory of God. And then uh, in verse uh, 17, And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and ye sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, 
blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I forget who made a, someone made a comment. I think it was Brother Josh. There's our part. You know, it, when, you're, when you're tired of the corruption in the world, when you're tired of the lust, when you're tired of uh, all the evil things that happen, if you're willing to get on your knees in tears and cry out to the Lord, you will be saved. But that takes humility. It takes humility to get on your knees and say, Lord, I need your help. Lord, I can't do this. Lord, there's too many things that have happened to me, too many evil things that happened to me, and, and uh, I don't know how to work through this. I don't know how to overcome this evil. You know, a lot of people... Uh, I think uh, it was uh, Brother Leon talked a little bit about growing up. You know, the, the environment that you grow up. You know, a, a lot of, a lot of uh, children are in terrible environments. And, and uh, they, they have to deal with all kinds of evil in, in different ways. And, but, you know, we can all get on our knees and cry out and say, Lord, help me. You can call on the name of the Lord. You know, calling on the name of the Lord is, is uh, it's all over the New Testament. I was surprised. Uh, I, you know, I know of Romans uh, 10, 5, I believe it is. It's one of the more, more popular ones, but it's, it's all over. Calling on the name of Jesus. We need to call on the name of the Lord. And we shall be saved. In verse 22, you men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because he is not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither will you suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let us freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried in his sepulchres with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, 
neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, wherefore we are all witnesses. Therefore being uh, by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascending into heavens, but saith in himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit down my right hand until I make thy foes a footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made them same Jesus whom he hath crucified, both Lord and Christ. You know, these, these scriptures have meaning. You know, literally thousands of people came to Jesus from this preaching. And there's a lot of truth in this preaching. And if you're looking to allow God to save your soul, cry out to him, and he will. Okay, back in uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 5. For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come wherever we speak, but one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful him, or the son of man that thou visiteth him? So these questions, these are rhetorical questions, and uh, it says, What is man? What is man that Jesus would be willing to come into time and space and save our souls through uh, crucifixion, through suffering? What is man? In, uh, I just want to read this from Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set the glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings has thy ordained strength because of their, thine enemies, that thou might still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful him, the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and auction, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is the name in all the earth. Amen. So then in... Uh, Verse 8, thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in, in that, that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him, but now we see not yet all things put under him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. So, you know, Psalm 8 showed the Hebrews that this is Jesus. Amen. And he's trying to remind them that uh, who Jesus is and uh, what great salvation that you have. 
I want to look in uh, Philippians 2. I was taught as a young Christian that you uh, that you uh, study uh, scripture uh, by uh, studying other scriptures. And uh, so scripture is kind of, uh, I lost the word for it, uh, but we use, we use scripture to prove other scriptures. In uh, Philippians 2, uh, we looked at a few of these verses already, or someone did. Philippians uh, 2, verse 1, If there be therefore any consolation of Christ and any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercies, Fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, letting nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem the other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and of things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God. Of God the Father. Amen. So again, the word was interpret. Use scripture to interpret scripture. So again, the uh, the author here is is trying to encourage these Hebrews to not leave the faith. And uh, it seems like uh, as the world grows darker. We're going to need that encouragement among each other. We do not want to leave this faith, this faith that uh, is uh, the glory of God. You know, man was created in the image and likeness of God, and that's what man is. We're created in the image and likeness, and God wants the best for us, and the best is... You can't get any better than saving faith. Without saving faith, the rest of it doesn't even matter. Because we're eternal beings. And if we don't have saving faith, we're going to end up in that darkness. Wherever that darkness takes us. And so... You know, I was uh, thinking about the two greatest commandments, you know, loving God and, and then uh, the second, uh, loving your neighbor as yourself. And I'm just going to throw this out. I don't, I don't know why. Uh, but, uh, you know, what if a man doesn't love himself? How is he supposed to love his neighbor? Because it says, love your neighbor as yourself. 
<laughs> I mean in the sense that uh, if you can't love God, you're not going to love yourself. And you won't be able to love your neighbor. But if you love God, you'll be able to love yourself and be able to love your neighbor. You know, what's, what's the, the best thing that you, you can do for your neighbor? Is to show him Jesus Christ. To help him have faith. To encourage him and show him that faith in Jesus Christ is, is better than any material thing that you could have or anything on this earth that you could have. All the, the power all the uh, money, whatever. You know, when Jesus was in the desert, the devil took him on, on a hill and, and said, uh, he, he said, I'll give you these kingdoms that were given to me. And uh, Jesus said, get behind me and worship me and serve me. Because these kingdoms have an end. What's happening in this earth, what's happening in time and space is going to end. But what's eternal is salvation through Jesus Christ. Verse 10, For he became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things and bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of our salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church, while I sing praise unto thee. So in, uh, in uh, 1 Peter uh, chapter 4, I want to talk about uh, suffering. Suffering's not not a great great topic to talk about, but I believe what he's talking about here is, is not not suffering in a physical sense, even though Jesus did. Not not suffering in in a in the sense of poverty, even though Jesus lived in poverty. But suffering in the in the sense of your own ego. Uh, Jesus said, "Blessed are the poor in spirit." You know, our our ego, our our self. Uh, it it uh, we pay a lot of attention to it. And Jesus is saying no. When self comes up, it's a form of suffering to put it down. And this is a hard thing. Or at least it's a hard thing for me. My, uh, my self wants to, wants to come up and and say, you know, I got rights. Uh, 
I got uh, you know I got my feelings, uh, and uh, God says to, to put those down, and I believe that's the the suffering He's talking about. Is that uh, it hurts? It hurts sometimes to have to decrease. You know, John the Baptist said that I must. He must increase and I must decrease. On uh, 1 Peter uh, chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering that when his glory shall be revealed you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, but the Spirit of God, the Spirit of glory and the Spirit of God rests upon you on their part. He is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if his first begin at us, what shall we end but be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. So the purpose of suffering is to keep your soul. And uh, our ourselves, our egos, can kill our own soul. And uh, that's uh, what the Beatitudes are about. That's what, what, what Jesus is trying to teach us. I'm not going to go through them now, but, uh, you know, there's seven Beatitudes. And uh, it's important that Christians learn what they are and incorporate them into their life. Easier said than done. I'm speaking from experience, so... Verse 13, and again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, this is in Hebrews. Behold, I and the children of God hath given me, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. So what Jesus Christ did was destroy the power of the devil but unless we cooperate with him and walk in the light, we'll give power uh, to the devil. It, it's right there for us to, for the taking. You know, I already mentioned in Luke 4, you know, these kingdoms on the earth are the devil's kingdoms. And if we are part of it, we're going to be uh, walking with the devil and the more that we get into sin, the more the devil can influence us and take us places we don't want to go. 
in Colossians 2. And again, I'm using uh, Scripture to interpret Scripture. In Colossians uh, uh, chapter 2, verse 12. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath thee quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took out of the way, nailing it to the cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat, or in drink, or respect of holy day, are the new moon, are the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come. But the body is Christ. So here he's, uh, he's kind of poking at the Jewish people because uh, th- this was a big problem between the Greeks and the Jews. The Jewish people wanted the Greeks to uh, adopt a lot of the Jewish ways, and, and Paul is refuting this. And he's saying that you don't have to be a Jew to be a Christian. And this, could, this was very difficult for the Jewish people. And it's something that they would have to overcome. Which are a shadow of things to come, but the body of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward and voluntary humility or worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increases uh, with the increase of God. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of this world, why as though living in the world are you subject to ordinances, touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using? after the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship and humility, neglecting of the body and in honor to satisfying of the flesh. So here he's uh, condemning those Christians that uh, were doing things to try to make themselves more holy, and Paul's saying you can't do it. It's only the grace of God that can make you holy. It's only experiencing God's touch upon your life that will make you holy. It's only walking in that light and uh, receiving life from Jesus Christ that will make you holy. It's nothing that you can do. You know, we can love others because God loved us. We can love others because God gave us grace. We can love ourselves because God loves us. And we can love ourselves because of God's grace. 
See, someone who truly loves themselves won't sin. It's our own self-hatred that uh, causes us to get into sin. You know, there's, uh, I heard a guy the other day, he, he was talking about uh, how he was uh, abused by uh, uh, people in his life that uh, were responsible for him. And that's what he learned. And that's very difficult to overcome. It's very difficult to understand people that supposedly are supposed to love you are doing things to you that uh, are sinful and evil. It's only through God's love, it's only through understanding God's love that you can overcome that. And it's not always easy. That's why we need, uh, we need to have uh, grace and mercy with one another. Because we don't know where, what people have experienced or what people are experiencing in their life and, and what uh, people that have uh, authority over others or whether they're abusing that or not. Because it really confuses things. If uh, those that are supposed to be loving you and taking care of you are, uh, are doing evil things to you. And there's, there's lots of different ways. You know, that's, that's what's so important about uh, you know, being a Christian. You know, your, your children, you know, they're your neighbor. And... We need to we need to remember that. For as much then as the children are partakers of the flesh and blood, he also himself took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death uh, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So, that's an interesting verse, is that uh, it's our fear of death that can put us into bondage. It's the fear of, I don't know if it's so much the fear of death, it's the fear of not getting what you think you should have in this lifetime. It's not getting your fair share, or not getting what's due you before you die. At least uh, where I grew up, that was, that was uh, some of the issues. Is You had to live a good life. You know, when someone dies, we, we, wanna, we say all kinds of beautiful things about them. And, you know, they lived a good life. But if your life just takes you into bondage, it's not good at all. And so it's better to have nothing. You know, Jesus preaches that all through the Gospels. 
To have, it's better to have nothing than to be in bondage. If whatever you have puts you in bondage, whether it's how you think about your life or what you want, try to gain whatever it is. When I was, uh, I grew up in a family where travel, entertainment, uh, you know, nice house, good food, all these things were coveted. But my family was in bondage. I was in bondage. And as Christians, those, those things should become unimportant. Because if you don't let them go, I mean, in themselves they're not a bad thing, but if that is your motivation, that's your pursuit, it'll put you into bondage. Because it's the fear of not getting what you want. There's only one thing that you should really want, and that is to be with the Lord. You know, the thief on the cross said, remember me, remember me when you enter into paradise. That's all that we should really want. The rest of the stuff is fine, but it's how you look at it. Can I take it or leave it? For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted." So Jesus Christ was uh, tempted in the desert. And so that, that word sucker is to mean that he can relate. He can relate to what we go through. You know, that's why he's our advocate. Right. I wanted to look. Uh, I wanted to just read this uh, in Isaiah. Fifty-three it says, "Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as root out of the dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief." And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. So, what, is, what the prophet is saying is that uh, we want to hide our face from God. We want to hide our face because it's difficult to look at yourself. And when you have to stare Jesus in the face, you're going to see who you are. And it's not always a pretty picture, or at least for me it's not. And, uh, but this is salvation. 
this is salvation, is, is to see who you really are, not who you think you are. So I want to uh, end with uh, Hebrews. I'm going to go ahead a little. In Hebrews, I just want to read these, uh, these uh, verses here. Hebrews uh, chapter 4, verse 14. I'm going, to, I'm going to end here. Seeing that, that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So when we see who we really are, we can get on our knees and cry out to God, knowing that uh, he relates to us. He understands us. And he wants the best for us. He wants us to love him and to love others. And this is the message of the gospel. If we can't see who Jesus is, we can't see who we are. And if we can't see who we are, we can't really see how to love our neighbor. Because it's all, it's all intertwined, and it all comes from the love of God. Everything starts from the love of God. And uh, thank you. Thank you for your time.